Welcome, everyone. We are glad that you're here for our podcast. Mike and I are going to have a great conversation today because our theme is what Karl Barth talked about, where we as Christ followers need to take the Bible in one hand, the newspaper in the other, and march courageously into the world. And so we're going to do that. So today, the front page of the paper talks about a pastor on the East Coast that burned the Koran. What's your thinking on that, Mike? You for that? Because God in the Old Testament, I mean, isn't sure. that who he is? He said to the children of Israel, you go into the land and you wipe out all those people. Yes. Bad people. Kill them. Yes. So what about that? Is he yes. just doing or did God switch on us? Was Is there an Old Testament God oh and a New Testament God? How are we going to answer this? That's a great, those are great questions. Um, first thing is, I you know, I don't know if he actually burned it or just said he burned it. But uh, this was the <laughs> I dude that was. It matters. This People was the died dude. Over I it. know, seriously. Well, this was the guy that was threatening to last year, and and so obviously, obviously, the way to go about you know bridging um, interfaith dialogue is not to desecrate the other's religious symbols, but we <laughs> want to talk about why that is such a bad idea in today's world, and and for sure, if we have time, we can get into the Old Testament, New Testament thing. But for me, what I find so fascinating is um, the the argument that says he has every right to do this because it's a free speech issue. And um, the thing that strikes me is uh, how, as believers, we're to yield our rights for the sake of the greater good, for the sake of love. And that includes love of enemy, that includes love of brother, that includes love of neighbor, who turns out to just be everybody. And so you have this, you have this defense that is a free speech defense that I think utterly, to be honest, doesn't have much of a place in the kingdom because we, of all people, are to be people who yield our rights the same way that Jesus yielded his. And so, uh, and, and it's not just for the sake of um, having people like us, but it's for the sake of love. It is actually for the sake of showing people the love of Jesus in very tangible ways. Which gets back to the question, which is more important, uh, justice, holiness, and righteous, or loving people? And Jesus had to answer that question. We talked about that in Why Jesus Hates Religion. That's right, and his answer always was love your neighbor. Always. Right. And so so we can, I mean, we don't have to burn Qurans to say there are parts of Muslim faith, and there are significant parts of the Muslim faith that we would disagree with, of course. However, uh, there also is a sense in which we are robbing ourselves of the opportunity to partner with uh, people of other faiths in order to bring about good in the world. And, and there is a sense when we talk about the difference between interfaith dialogue, which is focusing on the similarities between religions, or multi-faith dialogue, which is where we focus on the differences. And, and we can do that. I mean, it's, it's a shocking concept to imagine that we could actually disagree with people and still be friends and still be civil and still be loving towards them. Okay, so your first point is, in the burning of, or actually, I think he ha- he put the Quran on trial, and then if he burned it, uh, at the end, it's the idea of creating this harsh separation so that there's no dialogue, That's and right. even to the point of pushing people so far away that that how can I talk to you if you're going to burn my book? Right. Um, which I which automatically is it's just a conversation stopper. Right. And so for a Paul believers, never did any of that. Paul never did anything remotely like this. Right. So our conversation is to believers and we're saying believers we've got to hold ourselves 
to a higher standard, it isn't that America doesn't give you the right, but God doesn't give you the That's right, right. That's exactly to do that right. and to, to create the conversation. And we confuse the two. We think if it's a right given in America, it's a right given by Jesus. And that is not true. Okay. Now, let's go to the second thing. If he, if we talk to this guy and he said, yeah, but in the Old Testament, you see a God who's this God of judgment who caused the, calls the children of Israel to go into the promised land. And I mean, wipe them out, yeah. take them out. Yep. What's your short answer on that? My short answer is this. The only supreme, full revelation of God that we are given is Jesus of Nazareth. In him, the fullness of deity dwells. He is the visible representation of the invisible God. God cannot be, by definition, anything other than he is in Jesus. And... So how did that answer my question? Uh, that, hold on. Okay. Because you're jumping <laughs> you're in going too quick. Around. Okay. I'm not. No, there's no going around. It okay. is a straight line to truth, baby. Okay. That, that, um, so it's not like that God was in a bad mood, then Jesus came and God was in a good mood. So okay. we'd never say that. Uh, we would simply say, the, and what scripture gives us, is that the revelations of God prior to Jesus were partial. They were progressive. And they were all pedagogical. They were all designed to show some of what God is, but nothing could express the fullness of the revelation of God. So you can answer that question a number of different ways. You could point out, for instance, that uh, the Old Testament speaks of mercy and grace more than the New Testament does. You could point out that in the New Testament, uh, hell is mentioned um, almost to the to to a massive degree compared to where uh, hell is mentioned in the Old Testament. Just a couple of places, maybe, in the Old Testament. So you could blow up this whole thing between, you know, the the merciful God in the New Testament and in um, the judgmental God in the Old Testament by showing there's judgment in the new and mercy in the, the Old. The thing I like is the idea that the children of Israel are a beautiful picture of us in our conversion process. So you have the children of Israel being freed from the slavery of mm-hmm. Egypt. They're going into the promised land. They come the first time and they don't go in. And it literally says that God says, that the sin of the Canaanites hadn't reached the levels That's yet right. where God wanted to judge it. And so God showed mercy two ways. The children of Israel wandered right. for 40 years, but he's also showing mercy to the Canaanites. When he goes in, it's like us. This It's this powerful picture of us stepping into a new life, a life of not compromise. Mm-hmm. And so God calls us to rid ourselves of these things that ultimately cause us to compromise our life. So he says, don't intermarry with these people. Don't take their gods. And every place that the children of Israel did not take that out of their life, wipe it out. Ultimately, it infected their life. Uh, And at the same time, God never gives us the right to judge in the Bible. So God is the only one who gets to judge. And so my way of answering it, I guess, to this guy is... We as Christians don't have the right to judge a group of people. Only God does. That's right. We have a right to define what the Bible says. And we talk about that and discern. But then we want to always be in conversation with people who are different from us. That's right. That have a different view. Just uh, this week, we had a conversation where we had people talk about what exactly do Muslims believe. We had a whole panel of people that were talking about Here's what they believe in a group of people that are saying, we want to have a conversation with these people. Here's the places that we can connect with them. That's right. And I think there's something to be exactly said, especially as we come around to the 10th anniversary of 9-11, that there is still, uh, um, uh, whether it's a racial or religious or something biased present in a lot of us towards that community. 
And the way you go about loving that community, if we're even to call love our enemies, which they are not, of course, our real enemy is Satan himself. Um, but if, uh, if you're called to love your enemies, how do you go about doing that? And one of the things we would say is, yes, you create conversation, you don't destroy it. Number two. Well, you, if one is in that is the idea of creating a relationship. Because that's right. It was interesting. We had a gal, uh, Sophia, who stood up, and she says, we've got this great Muslim ministry, and you can feel the church rock. Well, okay, do I, how do I feel about that? Right. And then she says, I was a Muslim. Yeah. And, then, and then she talked about it, and she says, and then I converted from Muslim. And then, they, you know, again, there's the rocking, okay, well, I like that, but how did I feel about that? But lots of times, not knowing a Muslim Let's us look at them and kind of mystify them. And create. classify them as a whole group in the ways that Jesus prohibits us from doing. Right. And then, yeah, exactly. So then when I, I, I make them kind of a category right. and it's easy for me to judge them. And once I can judge them, I can depersonalize them. Once I can depersonalize them, then I can begin to treat them in an inferior way, which there's all sorts of stories of how we do Absolutely. that as people. Absolutely. Once we dehumanize a group Absolutely. of people. Yeah. And. Go ahead. Well, no, we had a we had a we had a guy uh, pray over our congregation in Arabic, mm. and that was a very. There were some folks that were just quite honest in saying that was really uncomfortable for me, because the Arabic name for God obviously is Allah, and you know even though we prayed in Jesus' name, Isa, um, there was this there was this sense that it's some of our implicit isms, whether it's racism or religiousism or whatever, kind of surfaces in those moments. And so I, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. We, the, the love of Jesus prohibits us from classifying them as X. We're to love uh, the folks that we come across. And that looks like creating conversation. One of the things that um, we're trying to do down in Mission Viejo is to find projects we could do together that we agree with. Because uh, whether it's Mormonism, whether it's Islam, whether it's uh, you know any of the other uh, major world religions, there is this sense that we want to see good happen in the world, and very often we define good uh, in similar ways. And so, to work, to, you know, one of the things we want to do is we want to work with um, our Muslim neighbors to for the good of the city, in the same way that Israel in the exile would have worked for the good of right. the pagan cities they lived in, and at the same time to agree that. That we don't believe the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, religious leaders, what I love when you get religious leaders together and you're talking about faith, it, it, uh, it minimizes everyone's faith That's when right. you try to blend them together. That's right. You know, a Jewish person knows, uh, you know, a leader of a synagogue, a rabbi, he knows that he disagrees with me. And he, and he doesn't like it if I try to melt our two religions together. And I don't like it when he tries to minimize our differences. He's very comfortable with the differences. Right. And I would think an Amman, all of them would be the same thing. There's a sense of, yeah. we don't agree. And, right. and I don't want us to agree where we don't agree because we have absolutely different worldviews. Well, dialogue presupposes we don't agree and... That, that is why tolerance— And that brings honor to religion. Absolutely. To, honor, to just say, you believe these things, I believe these that's things, right. and identifying those is the honorable way to have a conversation. That's right. That's not interfaith dialogue. That's multi-faith dialogue. That's right. And there's this sense that our world's call to tolerance is so lame and so weak and so paltry. Tolerance just tries to blend everything together and says it's all fine. Love is vastly different than tolerance. Love— is vastly harder than tolerance, right? right? To love means you are 
in the process of understanding the other. Love means you are in the process of serving the other. Love means you, in the same way the Old Testament keeps saying, listen, make room for the foreigner, the orphan, the widow. Right. We, are, we, are, we are called and mandated by the example and the teaching of Jesus uh, to make room for folks not like us. So we have this opportunity. It's in the headlines. Uh, what do we do? We have two opportunities to talk to people who are non-Christians. We can respond to them. They're going to ask us. I have some guys... <clears throat> that have said, what do you think about that from a non-Christian standpoint? I'll talk a little bit about that. You talk about what does it do as far as an opportunity for us to talk to people who are believers? Yes. So as these, uh, the guys at my coffee shop, they're like, you know, they talk, hey, (laughs) so you guys are about burning Qurans. So it gives me a perfect chance to say, you know what, I am not for that. That makes me so sorry that he carries the label Christian. That is not what I view as Christianity gives me a chance to talk about what Jesus said, kind of what we've talked about, and then raise the issue higher to say, you know what, part of what I want is I want to move at people in love. I want to create a conversation Mm -hmm. with a Muslim. I want to have those honest dialogues. I understand that that's a conversation stopper. I'm sorry that that happened. And and then just move at them that way. Mm -hmm. And it's actually been kind of a fun way for me to come back to them Mm -hmm. and to re- uh, set the conversation around, okay, what does it actually mean to be a Christian? And they were really open to it. I think that's a great way. Okay, to then it. talk about just real quick in the minutes we have left. Yeah. What does it mean for us as Christians then? How do we reframe the conversation for ourselves? How should we talk among ourselves? Um, uh, awesome. I mean, it's the balance between grace and love on the one hand and discernment on the other. So what we don't want to go around uh, saying that all religions are paths to the same God. We don't think any religion's a path to God. God came to us, and that's diff- that's that separates Jesus and his movement from anything ever in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And so we never want to compromise there. But the flip side is that Jesus was the balance of grace and truth. And so he would come across people. Paul was the same way to the Greek. I become like the Greek to the Jew. I become like the Jew. There was this sense that we try to step in the place of people. We own what's ours to own. I love that you say that, that we're sorry for this. Like yeah. there is this, there's a profound reality of apologizing that should accompany uh, believers as they talk about these things in the public square. But even deeper than that, it's the recognition of the difference between love and tolerance, that we are not just called to be nice simply for the sake of being nice. There's this deep love that we're to show that only Christ can birth in us, that results in serving. I love how somebody put it, we serve not to convert people, but we serve because we've been converted. Mm -hmm. And so my engaging the Muslim community isn't only for the sake of winning them to Christ, but it's also for the sake of my discipleship, progressively learning to be like Jesus and taking a community that's very ostracized and coming close the way that Jesus would do. And it's our job to move out and I think to be aggressive where we can to say it too. That's right. You know, I feel a burden to move at people and say, that's not what I believe. And to even move at the Muslim community and go, that isn't what I wish. That isn't what I want. I want to be your friend. I want to connect in community. I don't want to minimize the differences of where we disagree, but I don't want to act in a threatening way. I don't want you to feel threatened in any way and to keep that kind of a level. And then talk about whether it's right or wrong to burn the Quran because you go, of course it's wrong. It's absolutely wrong to burn a book. You got it. In that way. Nicely done. Thank you very much. As always, send us questions, emails, comments, concerns, uh, things you'd love us to talk about. We would be honored to do that and are glad you were part of the journey.